Hi, my name is Duncan and we are the Fantasy Football Fanatics. This week I'm joined by Matt and Gary in Seoul, in Korea. Gary, what was your football highlight of the week or football moment of the week? Um, so I will go for the obvious one, but the, the Champions League Man City Tottenham game, it was just absolutely incredible. Um, I, I, I think it's probably the most entertaining game of football I've ever seen. Uh, swinging one way and the other, kind of frenetic pace. And then, wow, that, that um, as I say, we're in Seoul. I've actually been getting married this week, but it was, uh, <laughs> um, yeah, seeing, um, seeing Song Kong Min, he's everywhere here in Seoul. And uh, he turned on a star performance with the two goals. But it was, it was probably the main highlight was that crazy 90-second minute goal from Raheem Sterling, the whole stadium erupting and then it being turned over. And it going like from the classical agony to ecstasy in 30 seconds um, was yeah, what 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 game and what a finish! It was just so many in the streets of Seoul tonight. <laughs> <laughs> but it was, so it was seeing like it was seeing like them crumpled. The Tottenham players crumpled on the floor, like they're almost doing like those Sammy Kufor or like banging the floor, completely drained. <laughs> like thirty seconds of abject misery, and then suddenly, oh no, it's not a goal. <laughs> We've still got a lead to defend for five more minutes, and oh, yeah, it's yeah, it was incredible. Yeah, it was an incredible game, wasn't it? So many twists and turns and like the final twist was something you just don't expect because we're not used to VAR. And it's, I guess it's something that might happen more and more, but that was the first time it's properly happened. It's such a good game. I managed to miss the first 30 minutes and I was kicking myself thinking, you know, I've missed five goals, but <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't miss like all the drama. There was so much more drama in that game. Matt, what about you? What was your football moment of the week? Um, so I'm going to go an awful lot more football hipster uh, than watching the biggest match of the week. Um, I yesterday went to my first Korean football game and saw FC Seoul against Incheon United. Um, and so it was in a 65,000-seater stadium that was built for the World Cup with 15,000 other unlucky souls as a nil-nil draw was played out by two Korean sides and some random sort of ringer type foreigners that stood out head and shoulders above all the Korean football players. Um, as scouting trips go, it was one of the worst ones I've ever been to. It was an awful game, but um, quite niche. Quite niche. And I'm, I'm guessing no prospects for the Premier League either. Yeah. It's, you always sort of like, like to try and find a random player if you go to a random game. So, oh yeah, I, I know about this inside track on this player. I think the closest I had was there's a, a Spanish centre-back for Seoul, FC Seoul, that likes to like try and play like a David Luiz-style uh, passing game where he sort of just tries to dominate the whole match. Um, but FC Seoul trying to use their centre-back to win a match didn't really work very well for them. Yeah, I think, uh, I think enough said there, but good to get, good to get in the fo football hipster points there. Um, very, very, yeah, very good for hipster, football hipster points. Uh, yeah, dancing with the Korean ultras who are awfully polite and dance along to uh, kind of chants that are given by the over, overhead speaker and uh, yeah, it's all, on, it's all on the scoreboard with the lyrics "Sing this now" or when, when Inchon are attacking, it's like "Make noise now." There's a big mascot blowing a vuvuzela, <laughs> so all the kids around us are just blowing their bloody vuvuzelas every time Inchon had the ball. But yeah, it's it's interesting atmosphere. Yeah, organised fun at its best. Very different. <laughs> British fans never sing when there are lyrics on the screen. They never sing, but um, yeah. Koreans. All, all about that in Korea. Uh, it's all about organised fun. It looks like. Ah, oh, nice. Um, my my football highlight of the week isn't as isn't as exciting as Gary's or as, as exotic as yours, Matt. Mine was just. Um, I just thought it was a, a beautiful moment. Matt probably won't agree with me, but Everton winning four nil against Man United and. My highlight was the, the cherry on the top moment of Theo Walcott coming on and scoring a very Theo Walcott goal against David De Gea. And just his, his happy face. I just can't, can't be unhappy when I see Theo scoring like that and celebrating. He's just uh, he's a lovely man and it was a lovely goal. So, yeah, just a, a simple highlight for me, but um, taking pleasure in, in Matt's pain, I'm sure. Thanks, Duncan. It's most appreciated. Uh, did you did you watch the Arsenal game as well this week? I did actually. Yeah, I did. <laughs> Let's move on. Um, 
Should we have a look at our teams from the double game week so far? I should say we're recording on Monday morning UK time. So we've we've seen all the, the Sunday games. We haven't seen the second round of the double game week games yet. So we're about halfway through. But um, Matt, I think you're in the lead at the moment on 66 points. Do you want to talk us through your team? Um, yep. So it's... Um, a team mostly full of double game weekers, but I've left a couple of single game weekers on my bench boost uh, bench uh, just for the running, um, and because I didn't, yeah, didn't want to, didn't want to sell them. I also sort of didn't quite get round to making my transfers this week, and thought I'd just, well, I held over two, and that's not the worst thing in the world, the way it's going so far. Um, so on the bench, I had Vardy and Robertson. So even that single game week, they did okay and got me some points. Um, and then the defence, I mean, all those Brighton assets finally came good. Uh, so, I mean, I guess they came good for everyone who had Brighton assets, but it was nice to at least have got some reward for uh, for punting on, on Brighton. And we'll see how they do next game week against away at Tottenham. Uh, and then Laporte and Doherty got me some points. Trippy has been a massive disappointment, being um, rested for the last, last two games in a row uh, in the league. Um, and then I've put my captain on Jimenez, which has not come off yet, but I guess he's got another game and we'll, we'll see. Uh, and Lacazette and Decore um, are my other two sort of like more out there picks that uh, both got picked up assists, so are doing okay. Um, and so it's still, I mean, it's still like loads of games, and I think I've got twelve games for my players still to go. So it's uh, in some ways it's, it feels very much mid-game week this week. Um, so, but so far so moderately good. I'd say more than moderately good. 66 points and you're, you know, we're not even finished with all the fixtures yet and your captain's still to play again. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess you are, you always think you could do better, don't you? You sort of wish that I went for Delafoe instead of Decore and, and stuff like that. But um, yeah, it's, it's going pretty well. It's going pretty well. Were you affected by um, the kind of mini league uh, issue where you're trying to pick a team that can catch Gary in first place above you. You're in second in our league. Gary's in first. Are you trying to pick a team that is slightly different to him, maybe, and not going for some of the players he has? Or is that yeah, not a definitely. problem? I mean, there's, there's about a 35-point gap between the two of us at the moment. Um, and so you're conscious that you've only got like four weeks left. And so you really need to like be gaining I don't know, 10 to 15 points to, uh, to be able to catch him. Um, and so you sort of really... That's why I'm sort of moderately pleased. Like it's going well, but it's obviously not going well enough to actually catch up with Gary. Um, and so you really do, ha- yeah. Like your differentials matter so much in these last couple of weeks because if everyone's got Brighton assets, it doesn't really necessarily do much for your team. Um, it's all about those sort of the random Watford players and Arsenal players and that uh, make the difference. And speaking of people who make the difference, Gary, how are you doing? Sixty-four points and and a hit, so not yeah. too bad. Yeah, so I I went um, I went kind of all in on the bench boost double game weeks. I I basically I picked a team which in theory could be playing thirty times this week because I've um, yeah I've got the bench boost. So I've got my four subs or playing, and every every player I went for had a double game week. So time will tell whether it's a wise strategy. But um, yeah, of of my two yeah I had two players though Trippier and Valerie who didn't play. Um, I think Valerie got a random injury just as a, but but yeah. Now the, I did try to set my team up like I would if I didn't have the bench boost, just to try and see what the what it would look like. And it's turned out the bench boost has been absolute savior because my my first eleven has got I think thirty three points. Um, I've got Sterling as captain, uh, so he hasn't done anything yet. Uh, so basically, just Edison who had a good game with nine points. But my bench absolutely destroyed it. Um, even with Valerie, who didn't play, I got I got 31 points off my bench. Ryan and Duffy chipped in with 15 altogether. And uh, yeah, I went for Andy's gut punt, Delafeu. Um, and I was saying uh, I was saying when I was on a couple of weeks ago, um, I preferred Decore over Delafeu. Well, I, I put Decore in as well. But then I, when Delafeu had that really good FA Cup semi-final, I thought, oh, maybe he's on a bit of a streak. And uh, he certainly was 16 points um, away, at Huddersfield, away at Huddersfield. So, um, so yeah, so I'm on 64 altogether. Yeah, 64 looking good for our mini league. And your overall rank, you're now top 7,000 in the world. That's pretty high. 
Yeah, I, I better check what my best ever finish is. I, th- I think I did one good finish right back near the start when there was a lot less players. But um, I must admit, until this last season or two, when you guys started the podcast, I, I was kind of only checking my team every once a month or so. But now I've now I've kind of tried to focus a bit more, and I'm uh, yeah pretty pleased with it. But I'd like to embrace your inner geek. Yes, exactly. Yeah, well, I do love a good stat, so um, it's it's good for that. You, in our group of friends, you are the king of the spreadsheet as well. So the sky's the limit when it comes to geekiness and, and stats for you. Yeah, no, I have been known to um, try and figure out my fantasy football just the first five weeks of the season on a spreadsheet to get off to a good start. But um, yeah, I think it, yeah. But but yeah, no, I'll, I'll see. I'm pretty pleased, but it's all about holding off Matt on the running. It's like I'm I'm still Man City and he's Liverpool chasing me hard. So I've got a no no slip ups. One one bad week, <laughs> one bad captaincy choice could uh, could still crock me. Have he cracks under the pressure? <laughs> Speaking of uh, slip ups, uh, let's have a quick review of my team. Um, so I, I I did the unthinkable uh, with hindsight. I. I had three Brighton defenders. I had Ryan, Duncan Duffy, and I took out a double game week player for a single game week player. I took out Matt Ryan before his nine point haul for Allison of Liverpool, who got a clean sheet as well, but it's not going to make up for Ryan's nine points and a minus four. Um, I was I was spending this Easter weekend with my um, with my brother and he was he's a big fancy football player as well, and he was saying just have patience, just have patience. Like don't, don't take hits. Don't use loads of transfers. And he saved um, his transfers. So he's got two for next week. And I just, I just blew my points. And yeah. So I brought in Wilson um, because he's another single game week. I had Deeney, so he wasn't going to play at all, but I just thought Wilson in his price range, close to Deeney and Fulham at home, he might be a bit of a differential that no one else would have. And he might, you know, he might score a couple of goals, get a couple of assists, something like that. But Bournemouth, having scored five against Brighton, suddenly at home um, against Fulham, they managed to lose. So that is gutting. Um, Apart from that, De Bruyne's injury is quite annoying because he was my big gamble. I think I'm I'm definitely guilty of uh, hoping against hope that I could catch you, Gary, at the top of our league. I think you're about 60 points away from me. Um, and that's a lot to make up. So I tried to pick differentials that you wouldn't pick, like uh, Lucas Moura and uh, Three Brighton and De Bruyne and things like that. So I think from now on for the rest of the season, I've got to just try and go for overall rank, forget about our mini league and and do sensible sensible transfers, even if they're the same as your team and Matt's team. Um, well, I, I've, I've blocked your Three Brighton as well with having Duffy and Ryan myself. Exactly. Exactly. So maybe, maybe I just take more hits and get rid of them, or maybe not. Um, you've got, yeah, you've got a race in your hands now to stay clear of Ben, I think. Oh, really? Yeah, and uh, it's getting tighter now. Oh, dear. Um, yeah, so it does feel like halfway through this double game week that my season feels slightly like it's fallen apart and might slightly be over in my head because I've been in the top... top 10k so many times this season i was i was there really early on and i came back into the top 3k i think at one point um and then it just all fell apart and i've traced it back to where it fell apart it was it was not that far after christmas i think i started taking a few hits and i brought in bobby firmino and i think it all went wrong from there um, <laughs> so i blame bobby firmino basically um yeah that's that's pretty much my game week. Um, uh, I think my defence is doing really well. Doherty, Laporte, uh, Dunk, Robertson and Allison have all got clean sheets, which is amazing. And I would have had um, more more points if I kept Ryan. But um, yeah, I guess a lesson for next season, just a bit of patience. Um, we'll I think you're, a bit, a... you're slightly negative there. I mean, you've got triple Tottenham coming into the next, next, next set of fixtures. So you are... Uh... You still got a, a puncher's chance there. Yeah, and I should say Son was my captain. It was difficult to pick a captain this week. I went for Son, and watching the highlights of the game against Man City, I did think that Son had the chances. Um, so did Lucas Moura. Ericsson looked good. Um, yeah, so 
I think slightly unlucky there, but yeah, Brighton at home, I'm looking forward to that, especially now that they're looking a little little safer, having got uh, a point against Wolves. Um, should we take a quick break? And, and when we come back, we can preview the next game week. Okay, game week 36 preview. And first up is Gary with the big game of the weekend, Liverpool versus Huddersfield. All right, thanks very much, Duncan. Well, I think the other three you've given me are really tough to call, so I'm quite happy I've at least got this one. So um, crushing Liverpool victory is my plan. Um, So I actually checked, and Huddersfield have not only never scored against Liverpool in the Premier League, um, they played Liverpool a couple of times in the FA Cup in the 90s, and again, four times in the league in the 70s, and they never scored in any of those games (laughs) either. So you you have to go back to 1962 for the last goal that Huddersfield have scored against (laughs) Liverpool in in over eight and a half games ago or something. Um, So you would think with Liverpool's defensive record and Huddersfield's attack, this is the the biggest banker for a clean sheet imaginable. Um, With that said, I'd be looking at um, Joe Gomez, perhaps for this one. He came back off the bench for last week. And I think if you're going into a game against Barcelona um, and Gomez has only played four minutes, you're probably going to want to give him some game time. So I I wouldn't be surprised. It could be Trent Alexander-Arnold, it could be Matip. But I wouldn't be surprised if if Gomez starts this one. Um, Another to look out for, I'd say, is... And again, not not something I thought I'd be saying a few weeks ago, but Jordan Henderson. Um, He's only 5.3 million. And he seems to have got a more advanced role playing a bit further up the field um so he might be um particularly as he seems to be playing most of the premier league games he might be an interesting one um i'm kind of wondering a little bit so because i i took all my liverpool players out of my team um for the double game week so whether i want to try and get a Mane or a salah back in but i'm i'm kind of thinking approaching this game whether would you be resting them for Huddersfield? Are you cocky enough to think you can win it or or maybe not? I, I kind of think that because then you uh, Liverpool have Barcelona twice and a tricky-ish away game at Newcastle in between. And you kind of think you'd want Mane and Salah to be playing those games. But if you don't play them, they also go into the Barca game, probably having had, I think it's only like 10, 11 days without a game. Um so if I was the manager, I'd be probably picking one of them and bringing the other on at half time, so that they have a bit of game time, but they're not. So that I mean, that could be all Salah needs, like forty-five minutes against Huddersfield. Um, but I'd approach them with caution for this game. I think you might see like Origi or Sturridge playing some of the game. Not suggesting you put them in your team though, because they wouldn't be much use for the rest of the run in. Um, and shout out to Huddersfield. I had a look at their team, and <laughs> aside from Lursel, they only have one player who averages over three points a game, but that's their new striker, Carlan Grant. So I know very little about him, but he's on 3.9 points per game at the moment. So he's far away their star player. So if, if you do want to go very Maverick, this is beyond <laughs> Maverick, and put a Huddersfield attacker in, then, then it's obviously Carlan Grant. Yeah, I, I like your preview and I like the fact that you haven't focused on the top players. Looking at the slight outsiders and um, Henderson's a good shout because he got a great chance in the last game, which he skied over the bar. But he has, like you say, looked like he's in more of an advanced role. Um, and I like the, the shout that you're making on Gomez coming in potentially. Um, you know, they've got, like you're saying, they've got defenders on the bench who can come in and arresting them potentially for an easy home game just before Barcelona and Champions League. And the, I I think maybe Gomez coming off the bench for Alexander-Arnold may be a signal that maybe they might bring him on at right back and Alexander-Arnold is a potential potential risk of rotation. And then, you know, they've got other players on the bench who can, who can come on, like you're saying, Shakiris and Origi. So, yeah, I think I think rotation worries are, are a big one and maybe it's just picking players who are definitely going to start for that that Liverpool team. Um, Matt, what do you reckon to Spurs West Ham? Um, so, yeah, search on dating back to their fixtures to back to the 60s, but uh, I think Spurs are the better team this year and they're at home and they've, 
I don't think they've ever lost at home yet. Um, so I, I definitely fancy Spurs to win it. But then West Ham are sort of a difficult team to predict at the moment because they don't have anything really to play for. But this is sort of a London derby. Um, they might be looking to impress. I think Anderson's looked slightly better in recent weeks. So it might be quite close, especially if Spurs have been to like think about both Champions League and the league um, in their running and trying to manage their, their best players for it. And they've got a bit of injury problems too. Um, so I think Spurs will win. Um, and I think they're still, I think they're sort of forced to play some of their best players like Son uh, because there's simply no one else and they have to win the game because they have to still fight for Champions League places. But um, it's sort of a, it might be like a, a close fought uh, game where they just like try and just try and do just enough to win the game, but not, not sort of um, wrap it up too early. I, I think that Son is uh, suspended for the first leg of the Champions League as well, where he is. So, so I think that's a Son could be the banker for this week because he's pretty yeah, much right. guaranteed to to play. I think in this game and probably start up front with Kane out, unless unless they play Lorente. If not, it'll be off Lorente. Yeah, so I Son's the obvious one. Yeah, there's been a lot of quotes from Pochettino flying around this week about Son playing as many games as possible until the end of the season as well. So, yeah. Even more more reason to have him in your team, I think. Yeah, he, so he's sort of the banker one, um, but I guess it's those fringe players like Ericsson and Mora that are in some sides that could be key differentials, but could also like not play at all. That it's uh, difficult to predict, but that's that is that's it's this time of the season, isn't it? Where you, do you pick the best players of the best teams, even though they might get rested because they still could be really explosive, or do you go for like safe mid-table picks, but they? might not have much to play for. I think the big the big thing for me is the Brighton game still to be played this double game week. If if players like Trippier play in that game, then I'd be more certain that Walker Peters, for instance, would get a start um in the West Ham game in thirty six before they go and play in the Champions League. I think he likes to rotate those fullbacks like Rose and Dave uh, Davis and and Trippier. So I think that's a big indicator for that position for sure. Um, yeah. I, 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 oh, sorry, I was just going to say I put Vertonghen in recently, and I'm quite happy. I think Vertonghen and Alderweireld are quite rotation proof, so they're they're good ones if people are looking for a, an extra Spurs player. Because I, I think this is, I agree with Matt, it's looking like a home win. Yeah, and not a bad shout because West Ham are also a third bottom of the form league. So they definitely seem like one of those teams that's slightly given up for the rest of the season, and especially this being away. Next up is Crystal Palace versus Everton, and this is one for me. Um, so this is a tricky one to call, I think, slightly tricky, in that uh, Everton have just beaten Man United 4-0. They're on a good run of form, you know, taking scalps the big teams recently but Crystal Palace have also just beaten a, a big team um, Arsenal away um, scoring scoring three goals against them so yeah I mean both teams in a are clearly in a good good kind of period at the moment a positive feel around their teams um, having nice end of the season Crystal Palace now mathematically I think safe or at least um, safe in their eyes I think points wise um, and Everton having a real push. The big kind of, the big stat for me, I think, going into this game is that Everton have kept six clean sheets in their last eight games, um, which is pretty pretty astounding for a defence that's looked a little bit at sea for most of the rest of the season. So they seem to have sorted things out. Um, you know, they've had a lot of injuries um, at the back this season and a lot of chopping and changing teams, but now they seem quite settled. Um, and it's working out well for them. And Palace have struggled this season to score goals at home. So I think that's the tipping point for me. I think that's why I would I'd be looking in Everton's favour. Um, I think Sigurdsson's coming into form. Um, I think they've got a settled formation now with um, Sigurdsson at number 10, Richarlison playing on the right and, and getting goals now from that position and Calvert-Lewin having a settled place up front. Um, I think that's made a real difference having a settled side for them. Um, so, yeah, I think Everton would be my shout. Um, I don't know if I would be backing them enough to, to bring them in, but um, I think 
if I was looking for defenders, I'd probably be looking at Liverpool defenders over them this weekend. But this is just the way I see the game going. Probably in Everton's way is a potential for a clean sheet for them. Well, yeah, you've got to you've got to beware the um, the Christian Benteke floodgates opening though. I think he's um, scored he scored his first goal in a year, so so Everton maybe need to watch out for him. But but I'd agree with that. And there's some stats about how Palace have had like something like the second most shots from inside the box. They they mentioned on Football Weekly, but very few goals at home, which has largely been due to Benteke. So we'll see we'll see how his confidence is after that goal. There's a funny thing about Benteke playing um, towards the end of the season. I wonder if there's some clause in Batshuayi's loan contract that if he plays over a certain amount of games, they have to pay extra because it's strange to see him not even coming on as a substitute and Benteke being played. You wonder if maybe they're thinking if they want to move Benteke on at the end of the season, they need to get him in the shop window now that they're kind of seem to be safe. Um, but yeah, I think you're right, Gary. I think maybe... Don't look for the floodgates, but look for him to start, I think, potentially against Everton. Um, mm. Next up is Fulham versus Cardiff, and this is one for Gary. Okay, so I think these two teams are quite evenly matched, actually. This is quite a tricky one. I think they're evenly matched, but Cardiff have obviously played to their full potential this season, whereas Fulham haven't. Um, but they, they, these last couple of wins under Scotty Parker, they, they kind of this season's West Brom, the team that once they're pretty much mathematically relegated, they suddenly have kind of found what they were missing. Um, so, and I think they, they've kind of been rivals for promotion in the championship before coming into the Premier League. So they've played each other quite a lot. And I noticed that they seem to draw quite often, particularly when they play at Craven Cottage. Their last two games are draws. And I, I fancy perhaps this one being a draw. I don't know. I, could be that Cardiff just need the win, but I'd, yeah, if I had to call it, I'd say it'd be a, a draw. Um, I've actually got for Fulham, you've got kind of the obvious ones in in Babel and Mitrovic that they might kind of look to do something. But I'm actually, if you really want a bit of a a gut punt or or you back back the form, then I'd steer you towards Ryan Sessignon. So. Um, He's actually scored, he's played this fixture five times and he's scored in it every time. Um, even one of them when he came off the bench when he was just 16 years old, um, he scored his first ever senior goal in this game. So um, for a left wing back, I think that's a pretty incredible um, run he's got in this game. So he'd be my Fulham player to watch. Um, for Cardiff... Um, yeah, they're such a random team, and it's a, it's classic Neil Warnock that he 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 always picks very workmanlike midfielders who don't create any chances, and then blames his strikers for not scoring any goals, and then just throws three of like they they have a different striker every game, but it just seems to be the strikers like got a thankless job. But um, I. I was checking what happened in this match. So when it was at Cardiff at the start of the season, Cardiff won 4-2. And they had some quite odd players like Josh Murphy scored, Bobby Reid, Patterson and Harris scored. Um, I also noticed that Kenneth Zahor banged a few goals in in this fixture in the championship. So he seemed to like Fulham. Um, as I was making my notes for this, um, the auto-predict on my phone, um, it's getting more and more bold with its auto-predict. I, I, I typed Zahor and it auto-corrected to Soho Restaurant. Um, so, <laughs> so, so get your money on Soho Restaurant if he starts, but who knows, maybe Nias will, will start. You never really know with Cardiff. But um, yeah, I, I kind of feel like this... I kind of feel like this will be a 1-1, so it's probably not not a great game for picking players. But yeah, if you've still got Camarasa, as I know Matt does, it, it could be a, another one. But yeah, otherwise, just get, you get your money on Ryan Sessegnon. This is his, his favourite fixture. Yeah, I love the Ryan Sessegnon shouts, and I'm loving your, your stat research as well, Gary. You're putting us all to shame. Yeah, well, someone has to, as Matt's uh, <laughs> not pulling his way. Yeah. Yeah, sorry for being too busy to fly to your wedding in Korea uh, to, to look up some stats. <laughs> Matt, maybe you can use your football instinct to divine the the fancy players to pick for Southampton Bournemouth. Yeah, well, predicting with um, rather than stats, my gut, I'm going to go on uh, a, a... This is another derby, actually. Um, I think, well, sort of a derby, like the South Coast derby. Um, so 
I don't think the rivalry's not as big as Southampton Portsmouth, but I think they still quite fancy beating each other. So I think Bournemouth really have another rival. Um, so given there's something slightly to play for, Bournemouth being this unpredictable team where you're not really sure if they care or if they're just experimenting with different things. Um, so they just they blow hot and cold. Um, and so I reckon that with Southampton pretty much clear as well, this could be like a feisty sort of draw where they, they're trying to win, but it's not so, it doesn't matter so, quite so much. Um, I, I think Southampton are only on 36 points, so they still need one more win, but they, they've got Huddersfield and other soft games to come, so they, they should yeah. be. Hard if like, flag, like flagging away. Yeah. They um, might have enough already. But... Yeah. Um, so I think a few people have put Southampton players into their team because they're quite a nice looking double. Um, so if you've got Nathan Redmond, then it's, it's not a bad one to sort of keep him um, and, and players like him. Because uh, you've got Ward Prowse is taking all the sort of free kicks and, and set pieces. Um, and for Bournemouth's side, and I know you just put Wilson in your team, Duncan, um, I don't think it's necessarily like an emergency to sub him out with this game in mind because uh, he's got every chance of getting a goal there. Um, so I think it's one of those, if you've got those players already, like your Brooks, Wilson, King, then they've got. This is not a bad fixture for them. I think there could be goals on either side um, and quite good for fantasy assets if you've got them in. But then on the flip side, if you're looking to tra do transfers, I don't know if this is like the juiciest tie for either side to uh, say they're definitely going to score anything on this one. Yeah, I totally agree. I think it's one to potentially avoid unless you already have players in it. Um, yeah, Bournemouth impossible to predict at this time of the season. Um I just, I just wonder if Southampton needing the points will swing it for them. Um, but we'll have to wait and see. Yeah, not one for the fantasy assets, possibly. Um, next up, it's Watford versus Wolves, and this is one for me. Um, I think this one's quite tricky to predict as well. I think a lot of people are waiting for Watford to kind of uh, rotate and rest and uh, generally kind of have their eyes on the... FA Cup final and forget about the league slightly. I don't know if it's completely happened yet, but we are. I, I think we did see quite a few uh, interesting substitutions in the last game. And, you know, Chalaber coming in, who hasn't played a lot this season, coming back from injury. Um, uh, and, you know, you've got players who aren't playing like Pereira with slight knocks, potentially just being um, rested rather than played through any kind of pain or possible discomfort. Um, but then you've got other players who are trying to fight for their place in the team for the cup final. So Delefeu um, scoring two goals um, and, you know, Decore just ticking along like he, like he has been all season. So difficult to predict whether they're going to be fully up for this or whether they're going to have their eyes elsewhere. Wolves, on the other hand, um, looking at the form, form table in the Premier League, just outside the relegation zone for form. So they really do seem like they... Um, since they went out of the FA Cup, that they've just let things slide quite quite drastically. Um, you know, they've worked so hard all season, um, and and now there's there's a bit of rotation coming in. So Gibbs White came into the midfield three. He hasn't got many minutes this season, um, and and I just wonder whether Wolves are are still up for for you know winning games. Whether they're really keen on. We discussed it last week. Whether they're keen on getting to the Europa League um, it was a big talking point in match of the day this week whether it's that Wolves struggle to break teams smaller teams down because they sit back and Wolves um, style of counter-attack so much suits playing against the bigger teams um, this this being away from home um, against a Watford team who have quite a lot of attacking players um, play good football and don't particularly sit deep and can't particularly sit deep very well. They're not very good defensively. Uh, I do wonder if this, this game is, is actually set up all right for Wolves' style um, and that I think they might actually get goals on the counter-attack. Yotta, in particular, in the last game uh, against Brighton at home, looked very bright, you know, hit the post, um, narrowly missed the post and looked really good. So I think, I think Wolves will score in this game. I think Yotta is a is potential one to look at, um, but I also think Watford have the ability to score against a, a Wolves back line that hasn't been um, keeping clean sheets and 
uh, in a long time uh, before the Brighton game. So, so yeah, I think goals for both teams, but I don't think I'd be transferring in players um, it, for this fixture, even though Delafeo is on good form. Um, you guys shout up if you want to weigh in on that one. Otherwise, we can have a look at the next fixture with Brighton Newcastle for Gary. Uh, yeah, so so again, I think this is a really tough one to call. I mean, I think Brighton basically they well we'll see we'll see how the Tottenham game goes, but I think they'll lose to. I think and after this game, they have Arsenal away and Man City at home. So this they they really win this game, um, and so they probably couldn't ask for a better team than Newcastle to get. Really, you kind of you've got a team that's mathematically safe. But but very like lower mid table, um, but yeah, I, I I just I just think Brighton have been a bit inept, particularly at scoring goals. So so yeah, can they can they can they get the all important goal? Or the longer it goes on, if they don't score, the more nervous they might get. Um, so I looked at this one. It's actually been a good fixture for Brighton. This um, they've played Newcastle three times since they both got promoted that season. Um, and they've kept a clean sheet in every game. They've won a couple of them 1-0 and drawn the other one 0-0. So uh, you've actually got Matt Ryan, Duffy, Dunk and Bruno have actually played in all four of those games, got clean sheets every time. Um, then the 1-0 the that Brighton had at St. James's Park earlier this season, Matt Ryan got his best haul of the season, 11 points, and Dunk and Duffy got the other bonus points. I don't know how bad... Um, Kayal from Brighton must have played because he scored the only goal in that game and still didn't get any bonus points. He must have spent the rest of the game just passing the ball into the stand or something. Score the only goal in a 1-0 game and uh, don't get any bonus points. Um, yeah, so yeah, look at Brighton defenders. We've probably already got more Brighton defenders than we want, but this is the last the last game that game week they're going to be useful at all. Um, I wouldn't look at Brighton attackers. I mean, Knockhart will be back from his suspension, but God knows what kind of mood he'll be in, or whether Hewton will want him anywhere near the the, the field. Um, yeah, I guess we always talk about teams being on the beach at this time of the season. So Newcastle are heading down to Brighton. So how much are they going to play? Be up for this? Um, I'd say Perez, obviously with his hat trick last week, and Rondon are playing very well. So um, they they they're worth considering. Um, it might be a bit of a makeshift Newcastle defence as well. That's, I think I don't know how long they're out for, but Lejeune's been injured, and and Shaw went off with a knock last week as well. So again. That should theoretically play into Brighton's hands, but just whether whether one of their yeah whether Glenn Murray can somehow conjure up a goal for them or something that yeah who knows. But I wouldn't yeah think about Brighton defenders. That's that's my only advice. I think I think that's the right advice because so many people will have those Brighton players potentially on their bench, wondering whether they should play them over another player. I'm trying to decide whether to play Matt Doherty or Shane Duffy at the moment. Or, or you know, changing completely and just bringing in a Liverpool defender. Um, so it's a tricky one. I I just think it it seems to be that uh, Newcastle are in a really good patch of form at the moment. Um, they they seem to like the end of the season. I remember when they they beat Spurs heavily on the last day of the season. I think and just generally, um, yeah, like you said, Perez and Rondon having a bit of fun. Maybe the shackles have been taken off slightly from Benitez. He's less concerned about keeping things tight and keeping clean sheets and they can play with a bit more freedom and they seem to enjoy it so yeah i think i think maybe maybe brighton defenders is a good call but going with just duffy with the goal threat just in case isn't a bad idea yeah perez randomly seems to perk up towards the end of the season i had him last year and he he helped me uh burst past ben at the end as a bit of a differential with uh scoring a few a few goals in the last few games. So it's something about the end of the season he quite likes. Maybe he's been playing for a move every year. I do think, I honestly think you do have to look uh, at the players who you think might be pushing for a move towards the end of the season for form, because, you know, that really puts you in the shop window just before everyone gets out their pennies. Um, so I think, yeah, I think if they're, if they're kicking on this time, they might try and do it all the way to the end. Yeah, Rondon is still playing for a move at the moment. Is the Benitez is trying to get them to stump up the money for him, but Ashley doesn't want to pay um, lots of money for a twenty-nine-year-old. So that's, that's another thing that he might be, uh, if if not going to Newcastle, then in the shop window. Yeah, definitely. 
Um, next up, it's Leicester versus Arsenal, and that's one for Matt. So, I mean, Arsenal, the team that got something to play for, and Leicester, in theory, don't have much to play for. But I think under Rodgers, they really are. They seem to be playing quite well. Um, I think all the players are trying to impress still, um, and they seem to be going to the yeah back into the season. And Vardy seems on a good patch of form. So them at home to Arsenal, who have been really bad away from home this season, I wouldn't be surprised to see a Leicester win. Um, so that's sort of my main prediction at the game. As for assets, I mean, a, a lot of people have Aubameyang and Lacazette, um, and Leicester's defence has not been too great. So there's still chances for them to score goals, regardless of whether they Arsenal win or not. Um, and on the flip side, uh, Leicester being quite good for assets, fancy assets this season. So. Uh, Vardy, Madison, um, and who's who's their new winger guy? I can't remember his name now. Uh, Harvey Barnes. Harvey Barnes. Um, they're quite good good picks because you've got players there that are trying hard um, and there's potentially going to be goals in this game. So I think it's one that's like potentially quite good for, for fantasy assets, um, if not for Arsenal supporters. I think, I think you've called it right, but I think it's not one where people should be bringing in players. Because Leicester's fixtures after this one is Man City away and, and Chelsea at home to end the season. So those are pretty tough. Um, but yeah. yeah, I mean, that, that's true. I think the one thing, though, is with Vardy is he usually tends to score against the big teams as well. So because classically they'll be counter-attacking a lot more, which suits his game. So he's not always, he's not always a, sometimes a bad asset to play against a big team. Yeah, and a lot of people will have Vardy in their teams um, as a hangover from the last few game weeks. So potentially one to hold on just for that reason. I think that's yeah. that's fair enough. Um, what about Arsenal? Um, they lost their great home record against Palace, um, which I, I personally didn't see coming, but their away record is terrible. Um, and soon after this Leicester fixture, they'll have um, the Europa League to play in. So do you think their eyes will be elsewhere and rotation might be rife again? I mean, I think their midfield's been rotated so heavily already this season that the, the only real assets to have are because their defence has not been too great. I mean, I think some people have Klasenac, because he's quite good attacking-wise, have been Lacazette and Aubameyang. And, I mean, whilst Arsenal lost, both of those got, got hauls. So, I think Aubameyang and Lacazette are still great picks, regardless of uh, if you think they'll be rotated a bit, because even if they come on for a few minutes, they're quite prolific and they might score score some points. But... um. Yeah, it was a bit of a surprise, that loss. And it means that the fight for Champions League places will probably go on to right to the end of the season, um, which is in some ways quite good for fantasy managers because you, you, you know that those, those big teams will still be playing their best players um, in those final few games. Yeah, it definitely is. Keeps the motivation up. Um, what, what's the, what means the most to Arsenal supporters, Duncan? Would it be winning the, winning the Europa League or getting Champions League for next season? I'd say... Winning the Europa League would be a big deal um, because we haven't done very, very well in Europe for a long, long time. We only have one European trophy, so I think that would be a, a huge deal for Arsenal sports. And that would also qualify us for the Champions League. So um, we've we've qualified, we've been after fourth place for as long as I can remember now. So, yeah, a proper European final, I think I would be much more up for that. You don't count those fourth-place trophies in your, your silverware cabinet. Definitely not. <laughs> Definitely not. <laughs> um, next up, it's Burnley versus Man City. Um, this is one for me. Um, so I'm going to start this one maybe the way I wouldn't have expected. I had a look at um, the stats, and Burnley have actually beaten the reigning champions in the last two seasons. And... Uh, They've been quite vocal about this. They, uh, I think they tweeted Liverpool saying, don't worry, Liverpool, we've got this. Um, you know, we can beat the reigning champions. And we, we can beat them again. Um, and they are on pretty good form, Burnley. Um, they're kind of sixth in the form table. Um, Woods is banging in the goals. Um, the pressure's off. Um, they've got three wins in a row. And and they they love playing at home as well, Turf Moor. Um, so that's that's the positives of Burnley, um, but then it's Man City, and it's a Man City team really fired up for the league now. They've gone out of the Champions League, um, 
this is their big focus until the FA Cup final. And I think they're going to be going um, guns blazing for, for this one. So, yeah, I can't see anywhere other than a, a Man City um, a win. It was, I think, a big shame for them to lose Kevin De Bruyne and a big shame for a lot of people like me that went for him as a bit of a differential. He was, he was on fire um, in the last two Premier League games, I think 11 points in each of them. So he's going to be a big loss. But players like Foden have come in and done well. Um, and Fernandinho's back now. So Gundogan can possibly move a bit further up the pitch. Um, in terms of fantasy assets, I think it's all about... Uh, Aguero uh, and Sterling. Um, I think defensively, Laporte has been so solid all season, has been played so consistently that he's a good player to have in. And this is the time of the season when um, centre-backs often, I think, um, get goals in the high-pressure games towards the end of the season. Um, So he has a goal threat. We've seen that before in the double game weeks. So he's worth playing. And, And City's defensive record is pretty damn good at the moment as well. So... Um, him and Edison are the players to pick. Apart from that, um, yeah, I think you're just you're just concerned that Pep might rotate slightly. Although that's going to be less of a concern now they're out of Europe. But yeah, I think Edison, Laporte, they're safer picks at the back, and then Aguero and Sterling they're the safe attacking picks. And I think this is a time where you need to make sure you have three Liverpool and three City. Um, so three of those ones are picked out. And yeah. Um, yeah, I'd, I'd I'd agree with that. I think I'd preface this with saying that this next comment was saying that I'm also going to be going with three Man City. But part of me thinks this has been the best title running we've ever we've had in the Premier League for years. It's going to be one of these seasons that people talk about. So there's a little bit of motivation for like if you're the Burnley player that scores the goal that beats Man City, or if you're the Huddersfield player that that beats Liverpool, you'll kind of go down in history. So someone like Ashley Barnes or. Chris Wood, yeah, I mean, your favourite Ashley Barnes, like just horrible, aggressive centre forward. Um, yeah, it, it, the way Man United played last week uh, or yesterday, that you, you almost think this could be just as tricky as for Man City as, as Old Trafford. But yeah, we'll see. Yeah, no, I think that's definitely a good shout. Um, um, but yeah, we'll have to see. Um, I just think that, yeah, City will probably overwhelm them. Um, but just picking one of those players who's going to definitely play for the rest of the season is the key and I think Sterling is is the man to have over all others for this Man City team um, Gary you mentioned Man, Man United and their terrible performance um, against Everton what do you reckon they're going to do at home to Chelsea are they going to bounce back or not yeah so I'd, I think I'd I'd ordinarily have Manu down to win this but it's it's a bit tricky to say I think the the match against City um well, it could it could go one of two ways. If they lose to City, then it'd be seven defeats out of nine. So it'd be like, right, we've really got to do something to show what we can do. What if or if they beat City, it might be that confidence boost that they need. So I think I think I'd probably favour Man United, but I, I see this as a close one, maybe like a two-one or a one, yeah, maybe even a one-one draw. Um, I'd say the, these two teams play each other an awful lot. Like Man United have been drawn at Stamford Bridge the last three seasons in the FA Cup. And they've only won three of the last 18 against Chelsea. They seem to have, they, they were a bit of a bogey team, but they're kind of coming through that now. They beat them away in the FA Cup this season. Um, and they, they have actually beaten Chelsea in their last two home games in the Premier League at Old Trafford. So they're probably just shading the form. Um, but on the other hand, Chelsea have an extra two days rest going into this game because they're playing Monday night. Man um, United don't play till Wednesday. Um so yeah, I'm I'm struggling with this one a little bit. I'm kind of so at the moment I have Pogba and I have uh, Rashford in my team, and I'm really thinking: do I stick or twist? Because obviously Pogba's worth a lot of money, um, and part of the reason I brought him in when I know you were all saying it was a bit of a, a strange choice, but they Man United have Huddersfield and Cardiff after this game, so they probably should be getting a few more penalties. Who knows? Um, Again, I still don't like any of the Man United defence. I mean, Chelsea have been a bit insipid away from home against some of the bigger teams, but I'm not really sure where I'd go with the Man United defence. Other than De Gea, maybe, is is a pretty reliable pick. For Chelsea, it's a bit of a tricky one as well, because I think they're also in the Europa League 
on the Thursday. So three days after this game, they'll be playing the semi-final, the first semi-final leg against Eintracht Frankfurt. So I'd expect to see Giroud rested for this game. Um, if Sari sticks with his negative tactics uh, away, you might see Hazard playing through the middle, or maybe he'll have Higuain. They might they might feel they can get at Man United a bit more than they did against Liverpool. Um, I noticed that Rudiger went off with a knock as well, um, so maybe Christiansen, depending on how serious that that injury is. Um, but yeah, I, I think for Sari as well, the same dilemma Arsenal have: like, how much do they want the Europa League? Do they prioritise it over the top four? And I kind of think with Sari, particularly as he might be leaving anyway, he might be drawn towards getting a trophy and being to kind of a bit of a an up yours to the to the Chelsea fans who are booing him and have something on his CV because I, I don't think he's he, he did very well at Napoli, but I don't think he's actually won many trophies in his career. So, um, so for that for those reasons, I think I think Manu might want this one a little bit more. Um, so I'm going to, I think I'm going to stick with Pogba and um, with uh, Rashford. Um, but but yes, yeah, so I'd narrow my new victory. I think that's wise advice. And I think that's, you're a good person to preview it because I don't think this is one people will be bringing in Manu or Chelsea assets. I think it's about whether they hold them. And yeah, with what you've you've said in the preview there and with the, the next few fixtures following this one, Huddersfield and Cardiff, I think I think that's a good decision, Gary. Um, we'll go for a quick break and when we come back we'll be looking at whipping boys, gut punts, captains, clean sheets and transfers. Okay, we're back and we're talking whipping boys first up. Um, Matt, can you see anyone other than Huddersfield as our whipping boys for this game week? Oh man, I thought I could just, yeah, be, we could pick Huddersfield straight off the bat and say job done. Um, and I think that they're the very obvious whipping boys um, because it's Liverpool, um, best one of the best teams in the league against Huddersfield, clearly the weakest. Um, in the other ones, I mean, you, I know the preview for um, Burnley Man City has been that Burnley might might pull something out of the bag, but I think equally, if City get an early goal, they might just like pile on another couple because they they're just because they're going all out for the Premiership now. Now they're at Champions League, so. That's me and everyone. I think there could be a high-scoring like game, but Liverpool Huddersfield is the obvious one. Gary, are you happy with that? Uh, yeah, I was going to say Huddersfield. I mean, unless Brighton produced their random form of last time, must win, must win a couple of games and shipping seven goals without reply. Um, yeah, maybe West Ham might might lose by a couple or three, but yeah, I'm, I'm I agree with Huddersfield. Okay, gut punts. Um... Gary, shall I come to you as our, our keeper of the gut punts to see how it went last week? Yeah, so it was quite a quiet week for most people, but Dunk, you finally got the, the jinx off your back. You, you had Decore, who got five, so that's a solid return. But yeah. in, you still were overtaken. Um, so Andy came roaring up the table. He's overtaken you and he's almost caught me because he picked Delafeu, who got 16 points. This is, we must say that it's only halfway into the game week for all our gut punts as well. So he um, he could get even more. And um, Ben has firmly taken on your your person of hexing the uh, the other people. After he chose Knockhart last week for his red card, <laughs> he went with Kevin De Bruyne. So he got one point in injured and out for the rest of the for the second fixture. So out of a double double game week, he's got one point in his gut punt. Um, so yeah, anyway, so yeah, Matt's still miles ahead in this one, but um, we'll see. As for next week, so um, Duncan, you alluded to um, Everton's six clean sheets out of eight. And so this is a bit of a punt, seeing as they're playing away, but I'm going with Seamus Coleman. Um, so Coleman actually has six clean sheets out of his last seven games because I think he must have missed one of those where they conceded a goal. And um, as they always say on the Football Weekly podcast about the Everton Cup, well, Everton have been roaring in for that that Everton Cup for who can finish seventh every season. Um, and they seem to be finding form. So um, I'd, I'd, and I'd say Coleman, I did Dine is the obvious one, but Coleman does have a bit of that overlapping threat as well. So um, he might, he might pop up and do something. So I'm going with Coleman. Fair enough. What about you, Matt? Um, so I'm going to go for Ryan Barble um, for, for Fulham. Um, on the basis of what we've been talking about, like the players to pick for the end of the season, I think he's, He's looking to impress because I don't think he'll fancy playing the championship next season. 
Fulham are at home, so they'll be playing harder in front of their own fans. Um, they're against a weak opposition um, who, who as, as Gary's research shows, they've got it's quite a good record against. Um, and so I, I just, yeah, I fancy him to maybe to get a goal or two against Cardiff. Fair enough. Um, I was going to go for Joel Matip, but I've been scared slightly by Gary's preview of the Liverpool-Huddersfield game and how how rotation might come in rest for for players like him and maybe Joe Gomez coming in. But um, I know that Klopp's talked a lot, a lot about not wanting to disturb the rhythm of the team. So maybe he'll he'll start players and then take them off towards the end of the game. And maybe he's hoping that centre-backs won't get too much work against Huddersfield at home. So I'll stick with Matip. I think he's on 1% ownership, so pretty low. And, and he's my gut punt. Apart from that, um, Ben's gone for James Milner. I think he's hoping for the, the penalties and I think he's probably assuming there'll be rotation as well. So Milner might come in at right back or in midfield. And then Andy is is going for Deli Ali again, having gone for him um, a couple of weeks ago where he didn't start. Um, he's sticking with the, the big player and playing to West Ham at home. So I think that's a good shout. Yeah, we might have to start thinking how we police Andy in this. We've only been doing it for 12 weeks, but this is the third time he's picked the same player twice. <laughs> so um, like, it didn't work when he picked Brooks again, and it didn't work when he picked Lukaku again. So we'll see We'll see if Deli Ali does any better. I think we're sort of allowing on the basis we don't agree it's a very good pick. <laughs> I think um, we'll, get the, we'll get the rules for the gut punts a bit more sorted um, next season. We can do them from the start of the season then as well. Yeah, I'd say he's a rotation risk for this game, yeah. So, but anyway, maybe he'll put. He's just got sixteen points with Delafeu, so I can't. I can't criticise too much. Um, what about clean sheets, Matt? Can you see um, an easy clean sheet anywhere? Um, yes, yeah, certainly can. So I think Liverpool might keep a clean sheet against Huddersfield. Might, yes, I think that's fair. Gary, what about you? Uh, I reckon Spurs against West Ham as well. I, I know it's a London derby, but I think West Ham. They're a bit hit and miss, and I think Spurs have still got that new stadium bounce. So I'll, um, yeah, I'll go with Spurs. Okay. I'm going to go with Man City. Um, I don't think it's as secure as uh, Liverpool, but I think that's next best with their record. Back to you, Matt. Um, so I don't really see too many others. I think the other obvious one to go for would probably be Everton, given their, their fine run of defensive form. And Crystal Palace's inability to score many goals at home. And then apart from that, I'd say the only one left, Gary, maybe Brighton um, Castle. So, yeah, I've poss- possibly, yeah, that could that could be one. I I fill out like a score predictor league as well, and I, I had Watford down for a clean sheet against Wolves. I'd, I'd say I'd, I'd highlight I'd say this is quite a risky one, but I I just have a feeling that Wolves' season is going to peter out a little bit. So um, Watford have got quite a good home record, so. Like Brighton, it's probably a risky one. Okay. I think, yeah, I think I might go with the Brighton risky one as well, just because they're going to be desperate to get a result, like you said, with the next two fixtures being uh, Arsenal and City. And and the only thing that they can do to get points in the game, it seems, is to get clean sheets rather than get goals. So hoping that Newcastle put their flip-flops on and, and Brighton clean sheet. Um, so transfers and captains. Matt, I'm going to come to you first. Um, so, I mean, I, I sort of, first, first things first, I say I'll probably wait till quite close because it doesn't really too matter too much about transfer value right now. Um, and my team's fairly well set because I had sort of these game weeks in mind. Um, I now have two transfers and I'll be trying to maybe hear Klopp's press conference to see who he's going to, who's going to pick or how heavily he's going to rotate because I had in mind to get someone like Mane in, um, for the Huddersfield game if he's going to play, um. And maybe maybe even double up on a Liverpool defender. Um, but again, we're just sort of trying to work out who's gonna who's gonna play um, for for Liverpool, and it, 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 to try and avoid that rotation risk. Um, and yeah, so the I mean the obvious captain, if I did sub in someone like Mane, would be to captain him against Huddersfield. But again, because he might not play, um, or he might only play limited minutes, then I might might end up going with um, Sterling, or because they'll be going full. Full guns for this one. He's less likely to be rotated, and he's sort of one of he's been their Man City star player this season. Um, so that 
that's that's basically my current thoughts. But it will it will change quite a lot because we're only still halfway through the double game week at the moment. Fair enough. Um, what about you, Gary? Uh, yeah, I've I've got a similar similar dilemma that I'll yeah I'll wait and see how it goes. But I'm I've got Sterling as one thought in my mind. I've not got any Liverpool players in my team yet, so I'll sit, I'll, I'll come on to that on transfers. Um, but uh, the other one that jumps out to me is uh, Son Hong Min. Um, so I think, as I say, being suspended from the first leg of the Champions League, I think he'll be playing against West Ham and he'll be their main goal threat. So I'm I'm probably edging towards Son at the moment. Um, but I see I see Spurs and Man City both as two nil wins. So it's a bit of a toss up between who's who's most likely to score from those two. What about transfers? Um, so I've, I kind of got a bit of a, I might, I might actually end up not doing anything this week, but the one that's really tempting me, I, I really want to get some Liverpool players in for the, for the run in. Um, and so, yeah, if you, it depends, cause at the moment I've got quite, I don't really want to, maybe Kieran Trippier I might get rid of cause he's not playing very much, but otherwise if I do get rid of someone like Duffy, I'm not sure I can afford any Liverpool defenders. Um, so yeah, that's, it's looking more at the cheaper ones, but then Gomez or Matip might be a, a bit of a risk. Um, the, if I do make transfers, I might do two because I'm, I'm still not sure about Pogba. Uh, the, I'll see how he plays against Man City. I, if I do get rid of Pogba, then I could bring in someone like Sigurdsson from Everton or, or even Henderson, who I mentioned for Liverpool, was a, was a bit of a random one. And then that would free up the money to afford a, a premium defender like a Robertson or a Van Dijk um, for my other transfer. But yeah, at the moment, I'm probably edging towards doing nothing, which sometimes can be the best move. Yeah, I mean, that would be really brave with Liverpool playing Huddersfield and um, playing the way they're playing. But um, that would be Maverick and, and you are the pod Maverick. So that would be, yeah, I'd encourage that. Um, for me, I... I've brought in Allison, which I think is a really good shout for if you're going for the Liverpool clean sheet without a risk of rotation. Um, I think you could do a lot worse than Allison. I think he's the most assured of a start in that back line um, outside of Robertson. So I'm going in with Allison and Robertson in my team. And then the question mark for me is whether I bring in um, Van Dyke for Doherty um, or whether I bring in. Mane for the injured De Bruyne um, and then probably pick out of Lacazette, Jimenez and Wilson which one to drop to the bench which it feels like a really difficult choice you know will Wilson suddenly turn it on against Southampton will Jimenez suddenly turn it on against Watford and will Lacazette actually play and, and play well against Leicester it's really difficult to pick out of those three so at the moment I'm tending towards leaving all three of them in my team um, leaving De Bruyne injured on the bench and bringing in a Liverpool defender, either Trent or Van Dijk for Doherty and just going without the Liverpool attackers and hoping what happened in uh, the game just played against um, Cardiff in that, um, you know, Salah and Mane didn't get big points returns. It was more about the team as a whole, um, you know, getting um, Milner penalties and Henderson goals and centre-back goals from corners, that kind of scrappy end of the season kind of stuff. So, And also Huddersfield at home, you're, that is Liverpool with their amazing defence at home to Huddersfield. You'd think that's three clean sheets if you have three Liverpool players. So that might be the route I go um, and then leave De Bruyne for a transfer um, next week maybe instead. Um, I'd, I'd keep an eye on De Bruyne's injury because I don't. I, it wasn't clear how serious it was. But it, for me, it seems crazy having a a ten million pound or just under player. I'd want to. If it was me, I'd want to invest that money in some someone else. But um, also, as an Arsenal fan, I noticed that if you if you had De Bruyne out injured, you'd have an entire Spurs midfield, which is quite a uh, <laughs> unusual one. But yeah. but yeah, they're good players. So I mean, as as Arsenal fans go, I'm, I'm not the most partisan. I I love Arsenal, but I don't hate Tottenham. I quite like watching Tottenham, and I think as, uh, this well with this team, not just in general. And I think. Um, against West Ham, who are way down the form table. I think um, having those three uh, Spurs midfielders and just leaving them my team 
I'm hopefully going to hoover up the points from one of them at least. So, yeah, I'll, I'll keep I'll keep an eye on the engine news for De Bruyne, but um, he looked pretty pissed off when he came off. So I thought thought it might be more than just that game, um, but we'll see. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, beyond the di- beyond differentials, which everyone will be kind of doing differentials uh, to try and win their mini leagues. I think Man City and Liverpool, with the fixtures remaining, seem to be like the strong ones to go for because they're the best teams. They're going for that title running, so they're every single game trying their very hardest and uh, they've got sort of the best best fantasy assets. So I wouldn't be surprised if many teams start tripling up on them over the coming game weeks. Yeah, definitely. And I think this is the week to start for Liverpool, um, unless you are fully maverick like Gary. Um, which I which I support. If you don't follow us already on Twitter, um, give us a follow at FPL FF Fanatics. Um, get in touch with us there. It'd be great to hear from you, from you guys. Um, and yeah, anything you want us to bring in or consider for next season, let us know because um, we can get planning now. Um, I think that's all. Congratulations, Gary, on the wedding. Enjoy the honeymoon and uh, and say farewell. Okay, thanks very much. Farewell. And young ESAR. <laughs> Say goodbye, Matt. Bye bye. Come on for the Jamie Vardy party. And we'll see you next week.